want to welcome our online guests. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We know especially online there's a lot of places you could go, and we're grateful that you're here today. In case you're new to Cowboy Junction Church, my name is Jeff. I am not the senior pastor here. We have two of the greatest pastors in the world, and I think we should give it up for them, Pastor Ty and Heather Bean. They're amazing. And, uh, and I get the extreme privilege of speaking the message to you today, and I'm excited about what God has laid on my heart. But there's some things I want to do before we dive into the message. Last week was one of the most beautiful services I've ever been able to be a part of. Uh, Pastor Ty and Heather, uh, in faith, they have been a launching pad. They have believed in us. They have uh, given to us, and they came to the church after we came to them and said we were going to, uh, it was time for us to go start a church in Austin, Texas. And, and, and they did something that was incredible. They didn't just sow into us financially. They believed in us. And they, they, they have come alongside of us and they have prayed for us. And uh, they gave us their blessing last week. And uh, y'all received an offering for us. And uh, I wanted to take a second and uh, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. For what you did. And you may be going, well, can you tell us what it was? And I can go, yes, I can. I'm so excited to tell you because I'm blown away by your generosity and by your faithfulness. And before we say the number, i got to talk to you a little bit longer. Um, I, I know you're all waiting in anticipation. Um, but I want you to know that what you sowed into was not Kelly and I. It was not Rescue Church. You sowed into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God uh, goes past people. It goes past, it lasts forever. And so your financial gift that you sowed that said, you believe in us, I am so grateful and thankful for it, but I want you to understand that what you did was be obedient to God to sow, not into people or even into a church, but into the kingdom that is going to produce lasting results because of God's faithfulness. And uh, so with that being said, uh, as of right now, I know there was a couple more checks that came in this morning. Uh, as of right now, $71,000 was raised for the Rescue Church. And I am blown away by this church and the way that they love and the way that you give and the way that you hear God and obey God. And that is a tribute to the leadership that has lived that. And um, I wanted to share something that God put on my heart specifically for y'all. And um, God brought me to a verse. This isn't going to be up on the screen, um, but it's Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 3. And it says, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent, him to, sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority. With soldiers under me, I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. And um, God put this in my heart. Your faith to be a launching pad is making him marvel. And uh, what I felt 
deeply was that for, and, and church, I want you to understand this. Uh, I was thinking about a launching pad and a rocket, and uh, it's a firm foundation. And what you guys have been to Kelly and I is a firm foundation. You have supported us. You have, uh, you have trusted me and my wife to serve in your ministry. You have poured leadership into us. You've let me fail. Uh, you've, you've trusted me and you, you've handed me that say, come on, let's get back up. Let's do a great job. And you've been a firm foundation. And the second thing that I really wanted to say is that while I know that a landing pad or a launching pad sounds so incredible, it's the first thing to receive the fire of the rocket. And what feels like a launching could feel like a stripping. And what I'm believing is that the faith that you have shown by saying, do, do you, I don't know, church, if you realize this, but most churches, they say, don't take my people. They don't say, here, take some people and go do what God has called you to do. That's not normal. They try and protect, but Pastor Ty and Heather have had a mindset that says what God has is his, and this is his, and it's not mine, and you have showed us how to steward and how to believe in the kingdom, and that has set us, and $71,000 I am so, so grateful for, but the most important thing to Kelly and I is the blessing and the release and the unity that you sent over us, because what God has now done is he's unified us in the capital C church. And he sent us to go reach souls. And it's not just about what church name you go to, but it's about whose name you bow to. And it's the name of Jesus. And you have showed that. And my personal belief is that the things that are in your heart during this season, your willingness to have the faith to launch people, to not hold on to them, that he is going to fulfill the desires of your heart. And that he is going to bring you everything that you need because you have been faithful. Faithful to let go, faithful to receive, and you have showed a church and a, and a community how to be kingdom-minded, and that is incredible. Would you please stand and honor our pastors? Come on. We could do better than that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being an example to us. We love you so much. Honor is so important. It's our values here. At Cowboy Junction Church, if you didn't know, uh, we have an honor uh, values hanging up in our staff. We call them our staff values. And uh, if, you, if you choose to honor, what you need to understand is that honor doesn't always mean it's easy. What Pastor Ty and Heather did for us was not easy, okay? It, it's not always easy to let honor take place, but it is always the heart of God. It is always the heart of God. Well, let's dive into the message today. If you're taking notes, uh, you could title this message, Reconciled. Reconciled. Um, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 uh, through 21. We're going to do some reading today. And it says this, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I need you. Lord, there is no one who walked into this room to hear a message from a man. They came to encounter God. Lord, I thank you that your presence is here, and I pray that you would use my words, that you would take them and anoint them. Strike anything from these notes that you don't want to say. Have your way in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We don't, uh, we don't typically um, talk about the word reconciliation. Okay, that, that's not like a normal day-to-day -day word, okay? Now, if you're an accountant, that might be something you use. We need to reconcile accounts. I'm not going to pretend to know how to do that. That is definitely not one of my strengths, uh, but the Bible, no, I don't think it's the Bible. Leadership tells us, you know, hire your weaknesses and, and let people help you. So God gave me a great helper. She's not on the payroll. I wish I could pay her more, my wife, Kelly, who helps reconcile our accounts. <laughs> uh, uh, but... Um, that word reconciliation we're really going to focus on today. And so in its simplest form, what reconciliation means is reconciliation is the restoration of relationship. It's the restoration of relationship. And that is really cool. And we're going to go verse by verse, 14 through 21. Now, I love to go verse by verse, uh, and, and I, I would challenge you to go read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, because Paul begins to tell us some really key things about why it may look like you're out of your mind and how that, and you're like, well, that's weird. Why are you saying that? Because sometimes when you follow Jesus and you do things, it doesn't always make sense. There are people who will look uh, at myself and my wife and my family and go, you got a great job at Cowboy Junction Church. You get to preach every week. Why would you leave that? So it looks crazy. Or there would be some people who would look at Pastor Ty and Heather and go, why would you bless him the way that you did? That looks crazy. See, God will allow you to look a certain way to the world in order to do something in the spirit and release something in the world. And we have to be ready and willing to say, God, my reputation is not as important as your reformation. My reputation, I'm willing to put on the line to see you transform the lives of people. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see people restored to relationship, not with my opinion, not with my political belief, but with the King of Kings whose name is Jesus. That is something that is important. And so we're going to go verse by verse. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is found in verse 14 and 15. And we're going to read that real quick it, one more time. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Let's just stop right there. How many of you like the word control? How many of you like to have control? That's much that there was a lot more hands on that. How many of you like to have control, but you don't really want to admit that you like to be in control? Right? Like, I love to be in control. I want to know. And see, the thing about control is that you think you have it, and control is just an illusion. Because if you could really control things, then you'd be able to know exactly what was going to happen next, exactly what you were going to face in your life. Control in your life is an illusion. You do not have the ability to control one thing except yourself and your decisions. 
and your responses to what happened. So, we go on, and it says, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, I like to think about this. I've never, I've, I've read 2 Corinthians I don't know how many times. I, I love Corinthians. It's a great book. It reminds me that there was some really jacked up people back then, and so we're going to be okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, if you want to feel better about your family life, just go read Corinthians. Because it is jacked up. They were doing some jacked up stuff. Now, uh, that will make you feel good. But I never saw this part in verse 14 that says the love of Christ controls you. And really, in our lives, what we want is to be controlled and have the benefits, or to have control and have the benefits of the love of Christ controlling us. I want the benefits of what Christ did for me on the cross without the submission and the death that it cost me of my flesh, of my will, to say, God, I am not my own, I am yours, because you paid for me. You paid the price for me. You came and you died for me. And that's why I said in verse 14, it continues on, it says, we concluded this because... One has died for all. Jesus died for everybody, period. He died for the murderer. He died for every bad thing you can think of. He died for that person. Jesus died for all. And then it goes on and says, therefore, all have died. Now, that part didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I was like, what does that mean? It means in Christ's mind, all you have to do, according to Romans chapter 10, is confess and believe, and the price that was paid. See, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. See, we deserve to die, but he, take the, he took the place of my sin. He took my sin upon his shoulders, and now the price has been paid. Therefore, all have died, and all I have to do is confess and believe. All have died. But control is a funny thing. I don't like that word. I, I want to read you the, the definitions because this is really cool. These, these, these are the word pictures used in the Greek to describe that word control. Of a strait that forces a ship into a narrow channel. Now, how many of you are claustrophobic? How many of you like small places? Not me. You get me in a room like this stage, it's, it's big. I like this, this openness. You put me in a closet, sh close the door. I'll never forget my brother one time. I love you if you're watching. Uh, my brother one time shoved me into a trailer and pretended like he was going to lock the door. He was just playing. Everybody calm down. It was, you know, brotherly love. And I'm like banging on the trailer door trying to get out because I was thinking I'm stuck here. For many of us, the control that God has on your life, it makes you feel like you're stuck but it's actually a designed to guide you to the exact place you're supposed to go. But you go, I'm stuck. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be close. Another version, another word for that definition means he holds it all together. Can I tell you that you can try and control your life, but you will never be able to hold it all together like the love of Jesus will? Never. This one you'll appreciate. The next one, I love this. It says, of a cattle chute that pushing one, uh, that pushing in on each side forces the beast into a position where it cannot move so the farmer 
can administer medication. What if the control that you're feeling and needing in your life, that thing that you're pushing up against is the very thing that's going to bring the medication you need for your soul? And you're pushing against it? You're pushing, going, God, I don't want to allow you to have this control in my life because I don't know what will happen. And all we're really saying when we don't want to be controlled by God, when we don't want to surrender to God, when we don't want to give our life fully to God, saying you can have every part of it, is I don't trust you. But God is trustworthy. But sometimes we don't think that because we think that if God's love is to control me, love means I never go through anything. I never feel any pain. I don't want it to hurt. But that is not what we see in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, what did he give his son to do? To die. Not just a normal death, the most brutal way to die in that time. Crucifixion. And guess what? He chose Jesus for that. So if he didn't spare Jesus pain, why do we think that God will allow us to not go through pain? The promise is that the pain will produce life. The promise is the pain will be worth it. The promise is the pain will then become a weapon in your hand. What the enemy meant for evil, God will take and turn around for his glory and his good, and it will become a testimony in your life that God will use the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony to pierce the heart of the enemy and to pull people out of hell and into life with Christ. And that becomes worth it. But we don't like control. And I'm asking you today, God is asking you today, are you willing to be controlled by my love? Because I want to administer medication to your soul, but you have to be surrendered. And sometimes surrender feels like you're in close quarters and you can't move. But it's in that moment where you can say, God, I trust you. This position that you have me in is not pleasurable, but I know it's going to be powerful. It's not pleasurable, but I know it's going to produce something in me. And so that's the first thing that we have to understand. If we are going to have reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation, which we'll get to in a minute, we have to understand that reconciliation first starts with being controlled by the love of God. Surrender. I'm yours. Whatever you ask of me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That is the message of the gospel. That is the example shown by Christ. Verse 16 and 17. From now on, therefore. So because being controlled by the love of Christ, because that's what that word therefore means, because of what we just read, this happens. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though... We once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, everybody knows verse 17. We say it all the time. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creation. Your past doesn't dictate your future. Come on now. I mean, we could get hype about that. Man, I could preach that. You're a new creation. What you did yesterday doesn't matter. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. I could preach it. 
and it is 100% true. God has made you a new creation, but because you are a new creation, don't go back to regarding people according to the flesh. See, we do that all the time. You know what we do? We look at people and we judge them according to what we see with our physical eyes. They don't have their life together. They're on this side of the aisle. They're on that side of the aisle. They believe this about that. They don't do this. They don't do that. I am telling you right now, it is so easy and natural to regard people according to the flesh. But Jesus no longer regards us according to the flesh, but according to the sacrifice that he made. So when Jesus reached his hand out to me, he's going, I've already paid for this and all you have to do is believe it and I'm not looking at what you've done I'm looking at what I've done so why would we look at people according to where they're at right now we look at them and go oh and you know what happens when we regard people according to the flesh we isolate from the very people God has called us to reach I don't like the way you believe you're a sinner. Second Peter chapter 1 tells us if we don't add brotherly love to kindness and we don't add all these things that are the fruits of the Spirit to our faith, that we become narrow-sighted and blind, forgetting that we too were once sinners. Can I tell you today that God is not calling you to look at somebody where they are at? He's calling you to look them according to what Jesus has done on the cross so that you stop isolating, so that I stay, stop isolating and I go to them and I reach out to them and I minister to them and I serve them and I love them and I give my life for them because I want to see them in the kingdom of heaven. We get so narrow-minded that we forget the life that people are living now has nothing to do with there. If I don't allow the minister of the ministry of the gospel, the good news of the gospel to get a hold of them, they will not believe. See, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But all of us have the opportunity to believe in Jesus and be transformed by him. So have I been transformed enough to stop looking at people according to what they're doing now? And you know, we, we isolate people for some of the dumbest things. I'm just saying, humans sometimes, you said, you said the Broncos are no good. I'm never talking to you again. You know, this, this one may, may be so real for some of you in the room, and I'm not making light of the pain that you have been through, but sometimes we're like, nobody talked to me, and God is like, I gave you a mouth, you could go talk to somebody. Listen, I know, like, we'll isolate from someone. They never spoke to me. I'm never going to talk to them again. Maybe they were going through something, and they needed you to stick your hand out and say hello. Maybe we don't see the big picture, and we need to stop regarding people according to the flesh. Now, you know what else? That means you also stop regarding yourself according to the flesh. You know? <laughs> I, I got to say this real quick. The Lord dropped this in my heart. We always judge ourselves based on the grace of God, but we regard others according to the flesh. 
oh, but I've got grace for that, but I'm not going to sow grace for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the way that it is. I want to be judged on what Jesus did for my life, but I judge according to what you're doing for yourself. Anyway, reconciled. How do you view the world? How do you regard people? Because he's asking us not to regard anyone according to the flesh. And therefore, we tell people about Jesus. And then because they believe they can come into that new creation we were talking about in, chapter, in verse 17. For anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. I'm so grateful that the old is past. Even when I was a Christian. Can I just tell you, there's times in my life that as a Christian, I did things I should not do. And I'm grateful that the old has passed and the new has come. I'm grateful in those times that God doesn't look at me and go, you're an idiot. I wonder if he ever feels that way, you know? But he's never told me that. He's always corrected me. Come on, you know better. You got this. Like a parent does their child. They correct. Verse 18. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> wow. You can keep that up there for a second. I just want to let that sink in. Because you have been reconciled, he has entrusted to you the ministry of reconciling others. You know what that do doesn't say up there? And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of coming to church. Is attending church important? Yes, please do not stop attending church. It will build your faith. It will encourage you. Paul said, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. I am not against church, but I am against being a person who comes and thinks that ministry staff are the only people who are to reconcile people to Christ. God didn't reconcile you so we could sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing. God didn't reconcile me and give me a testimony so I could say, Pastor Ty, that's your job. He reconciled me so that I could now be a bridge of reconciliation to the world. So that I can say, well, everyone else is telling you what they are against. I am going to tell you how Jesus paid the price for that. And you don't have to be addicted to that anymore. You can come into freedom. You can come into hope. And I will be the person who goes to you. And if you think I'm crazy and you think I'm out of my mind and you think, you know what, Pastor Jeff, you belong in Austin. Go ahead, go. Listen, you are right. Just like you belong here and you are called to reach the person in your job and in the marketplace wherever you go the church is called to reconciliation <laughs> capital C the church is not just about hearing great messages 
It's about the spirit of God controlling us and compelling us. You know one of my favorite uh, verses? Oh, man, I forgot the reference. Um, anyway, I, th- I think it's in Matthew. It, it, Jesus says this. He said, and he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Where's our compassion as the church? Are we moved by what we see? Is my heart broken by the brokenness around me? There's a lot to be broken about right now in our world. There's a lot to be broken about. Lives lost this week. And already I feel the tension in the room going, oh my gosh, what are they going to say next? Church, it's time to stand up and be the gospel of Jesus Christ to every neighbor, to every person we work with. That will transform the world. It is the only thing that will transform the world is the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation that in, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Thank the Lord. He didn't count my trespasses against me, but he entrusted me with the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of the most powerful scriptures in all the Bible right here. He made him to be sin. Jesus lived a perfect life, completely perfect, never did anything wrong, even as a child. Isn't that hard to believe? Because we're like, even children screw up. No, he was perfect. Which is why his brothers didn't like him very much. Because he was like, he's not just like, oh, Marsha, 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 she's the perfect one. No, he was actually perfect. You know what I mean? Like he was perfect. Well, there goes Jesus again. He healed the dying lamb. Yeah, I don't know if that's real. I just made that up. I just was, you know. You know, Jesus at 12 was holding court, telling the priests all about his father at 12 years old. When the Spirit of God is on you, it does not matter your age. You can understand things because he reveals things. So for every young person in the room that tells that that feels like you have to wait to be a minister of reconciliation, no, you don't. The Spirit of God is upon you. He has chosen you. He has called you. And he is actually empowering you to tell people about Jesus. We have what it takes because we have who it's all about living right here. The Spirit of God. He's on the inside of us. And he's given us the message of reconciliation. Now, now I love this word ministry, okay? Because in today's culture, we really magnify ministry. Like, I'm going to be in ministry. I love ministry. I'm, I'm called the full-time vocational ministry. I, I love ministry. I'm like, that's me. But can I tell you what the actual word ministry means? Service. That's what it means in the, in, in the text. In the Greek, it means to serve. Huh. Wait a second. You mean the thing that we 
put on a pedestal actually is what Jesus said. If you want to be first, you must be last. If you're going to be a leader, you must become the least of all. If you want to be what, what you aspire to be, you must first come and serve. If you are trying to point a finger at the world and tell them how to change, that will not bring reconciliation. You have to serve them and give them the message of Jesus Christ by serving them. You know how we do that? When everyone else doesn't show up, the church does. When everybody else says, I, your, your sin is too much, you're too dirty, the world says, I cancel you, which you could get canceled for anything. You could sneeze. I didn't like the way you did that. You're canceled. You know what I mean? Like I, we get canceled real easy by the world, but the world can't cancel what God already did. So they can cancel our message and they can tell us that we're not supposed to be loud and they can tell us we're supposed to have separation of church and state and they can tell us all these things, but they can never cancel what Jesus already did because we are not looking from a worldly perspective. We are looking from a spiritual perspective and we will tear down strongholds in the heavens and we will bring freedom because in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we are loosing the spirit of God and we are being sent. To be the answer because the answer is here on the inside. It's not me. It's in me. He made him who knew no sin to be sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I became righteous because of Jesus. Fabian, you can come on out. I became into right standing, restored relationship. Restored relationship. Man, I love that. You know, uh, there's one thing in my mind and in my heart that means more to me than anything else. It's the lost coming to Christ. found being refreshed and it's the broken being restored because that is what he did for me when I was lost he sent laborers into the field he sent messengers of hope into my life nobody who's in their right mind would walk by a pool where someone is drowning and not jump in. And so my call that I believe God has put on my life, and this is what Rescue Church is all about, this is what Cowboy Junction is all about, is we are tired of the church walking by the drowning world and doing nothing. That's why we have the programs that we have. That's why that Pastor Ty, every single week, every day he gets up and he prays and he goes to CrossFit, which I'm still praying for him over that. But, and he ministers to people because he's heard the same thing. He may not have heard it the way God said it to me, but he said, this is what God said it to me. And I know this is in Pastor Ty's heart. He said, when is the last time, Jeff, you led somebody to the Lord and you didn't have a microphone in your hand standing on a stage? 
And I believe he's turning to all of us saying, when will we be the message of reconciliation? When will we dive into the pool where our friends are drowning and going to hell? When will we stop being so concerned about our reputation that we give up their reformation? When will we stop being concerned about what they say about me and what I have to go through? Maybe they treat me bad. Maybe they hate me. But I would rather they hate me and them have an opportunity to be transformed and them have an opportunity to be in heaven and them have an opportunity for their whole family line to change because one person said I don't care what you think about me I'm going to serve you with the ministry of reconciliation I'm going to begin with prayer I'm going to listen to you I'm going to ask you to go eat with me I'm going to serve you and then I'm going to share the greatest gift that ever came into my life and his name is Jesus and I don't care what they say Because my life was designed to bring him glory. And because he has reconciled me, he has entrusted me to be an ambassador of his message with whom we are pleading, be reconciled to God. The Bible tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So they're going to look at us and go, you're a fool for believing that. And then guess what? All of a sudden, the power of God Bam! Gets their life. And they're never the same. It's a complete 180. Because it's not, listen, I know you may go, Pastor Jeff, I can't say it like you can. Well, I hope you don't aspire to say it like me. I hope you aspire to have them encounter Jesus through you. That's it. Jesus does the work. You know when we say listen, it means not just listening to them. That's important. If you're always talking all the time, who wants to be in that relationship? Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah. and for a lot of us, that's what telling people about Jesus is. We think it's just preaching. And we never shut up and, and enough to hear what they're saying so that the Holy Spirit can reveal things to us that will touch their heart and bring their walls down. That's why it's important to listen. That's why when Pastor Ty, uh, last week, he said, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew. Hey, by the way, can I just say a proud parent moment? I just have to share this with you. Because after that, Pastor Ty, uh, Peyton was finishing up some school. And he had to do some reading. And he didn't have a book with him. Because we're in the middle of a crazy move and all that stuff, you know, so everything's everywhere. And he, but he had his Bible. And he said, I did what Pastor Ty told me. I started reading Matthew. You know, there's something about a faith of a child who hears this is what you should do and they just do it. Now, some of us are like, have you met my kid? They never do that. But maybe it's because of the example that we've set for them and our authority and our surrender to authority. And it's just a maybe. I think the band can come on up. Listen, bless is not just something Cowboy Junction came up with to have a really cool way to tell you you should tell people about Jesus and invite them to church. Bless is biblical. Let me break it down for you. Begin with prayer. Jesus said, 
I only say that which I hear my father say and I only do that which I hear my father do. See my father do. Biblical. You want a strategy for telling people about Jesus? Start with seeing what God is doing and hearing what God is saying. Practice his presence when you're not in this room. Get your word. In your prayer time, prayer has not occurred when only I talk. Prayer occurs when I listen. That's B&L, by the way. That's scripture. He prayed. You know what Jesus did before he picked his disciples? He prayed all night long. Luke chapter 6. Not for a couple hours. All night long. If we chose our friends like Jesus chose his disciples, and guess what? He still had somebody betray him. You can spend your whole life trying to avoid pain, and all you'll do is avoid purpose. Eat. Eat. Well, this is easy. Do you know, I, I love this. Jesus is on the road uh, to Emmaus with, um, with a couple of guys. I forgot their names, uh, but they're there. And, uh, and uh, y'all read it. It's in the Bible. It's in Luke. And, uh, and this is what happens. He is talking with them, and they don't recognize as Jesus. He starts from the very beginning of the Bible and goes all the way through the Old Testament, revealing Jesus in every scripture, and they still don't recognize him. But when they got to Emmaus, they invited him in, and they said, listen, we're going to have, let's, let's eat. It's late. And it was when Jesus broke bread that they recognized who he was because Jesus had a habit of eating with people, breaking bread with them because there's something about food that breaks down people's walls. Also, they have to listen while they're eating. Just a little logical tip for you. He recognized him when he broke bread. Eat with people, man. And you know what? Don't invite somebody to eat and not pay for their meal. Come on, man. Come on. If you have $5, you could get two McDoubles from McDonald's. And it may be all you have, but it's a gift to God. Come on. Let's, let's have some logic here. Don't be cheap. And I'm not talking about the place you eat. I'm talking about don't ask somebody to go and share your faith with them and then make them pay for their meal. serve. I think we already covered that one. Serve. You know what I want my life to be? You know what I hope? I hope that every person I come in contact with, I can be a step stool. I'm not going to get down and show you. But I can put my life down on all, all fours and on my hands and knees and they can step on my back and be elevated in their relationship with God. That's what I hope. That every message that I preach forget every message I preach that every time I go to the coffee shop every time I interact with somebody they go that person is different and not just because he's got his hair up he's different because he loved and there's something about him amen and the last one is share well this one's Matthew 28 Go therefore into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And behold, I am with you always. Bless. 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 Give them prayer. Listen. Eat with them. Serve. Share. Repeat. What if they don't listen the first time? Keep loving them. Keep loving.
Would you bow your heads with me in this room? Maybe you're here today. And you heard today's message. And you heard the message of reconciliation. And how God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. You're here today and you're a believer. I'm talking to the believer for a minute. And you're like, you know what? I haven't been the bridge of reconciliation in a long time. And I want to be. Can I tell you something? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it says that you will do that so that you can be my witness. You need the power of the Spirit of God to do that. you're here in this room, today you would say, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I want to give my life to the control of God. I don't want to regard anyone according to the flesh, I don't, even, even myself, and I want to be an ambassador for the reconciliation that God has called me to. If that's you, would you put your hand up right now? I want to pray for you. See those to turn around from what they've done the wrong way and allow your spirit to guide them to the place that they're supposed to be so that they can administer and be the medication the world needs. I pray that you would empower them. You would fill them up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Would you stand up on your feet? We're going to worship you. I believe he's deserving of worship, amen? As we worship today, maybe you would go, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I need to be reconciled. I need to come home to God. We would love to meet with you. We would love to meet with you. If that's you, man, we'll be out there at the Jesus sign. We'd love to talk to you. Let's worship him.